Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So we've been in a series called Giver and Users, and just like the song we were just singing, this is a series that is all about the Holy Spirit, and it's about specifically the spiritual gifts that God gives to us, and the ways that he empowers and equips us in order to be the church. We've been talking about spiritual gifts, and we've been using this definition, we've been saying spiritual gifts are a specific ability that's given to all followers of Jesus by the Holy Spirit for the sake of ministering to one another. And so we've been kind of unpacking this fact that God has given each of us these gifts, and that it's together as a community of faith when we live in these gifts, these special abilities, these ways that the Spirit empowers powers each one of us, that the gifts that we all have have this interdependent nature that each of our gifts builds on the gifts of the person sitting beside you and builds on how each of us are, have been wired and equipped by God so that the church can do what we're called to do, which is to share the love of Jesus and the hope that God provides to the whole world. And so that's the series we're in. And, and what we've done in this series is we've been splitting up the the spiritual gifts into kind of three broad categories and kind of addressing them in in grouping so that similar ones are together. And so last week, we talked about the love gifts, the gifts that are designed to help us reveal God's love to one another, to each other, to people outside of our church. How do we reveal God's deep heart of love that he has? And so today we're moving to the second category, which is the word gifts. And so these are gifts that, have a, that are focused on revealing who God is, what his desires are, and what his plans are. And so today we're going to be looking at the six gifts that are in these categories, but there's a couple kind of recap points that I want to hit quickly. And the first is, is that when we try to use our spiritual gifts, when we kind of think, you know, I think I maybe have the gift of mercy was one of the gifts we talked about last week. The first time that you try to kind of use that spiritual gift and, and when you step into it, you know, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect at it immediately. Spiritual gifts do take time to develop, and one of the challenges is that sometimes we give up on learning our spiritual gifts right before we were about to kind of turn the corner and recognize how this works. And the second one is that if your gifts are in a different category, so if, you're, if we're talking about a spiritual gift that's not yours, if the gifts are in a different category, a different gift, then these become spiritual disciplines for us to learn. So for example, going back to the gift of mercy, you may not have the gift of mercy, this supernatural ability that the Holy Spirit's given you to come alongside and alleviate people of the suffering they may be experiencing. But all of us, regardless of if it's our gift or not, are called to be merciful. We're called to be loving. We're called to be compassionate. And so in each of these gifts, if it's not your gift, these are still skills that we have to learn to develop as followers of Christ. And so that's what kind of just some foundation blocks as we go into this. And, and what I'm going to do today is the word gifts, I'm splitting them into two categories. And we're going to start with the first. There's strengthening gifts and proclamation gifts that fall in under this word gift category. And so we're going to walk through these. And this is really kind of a primer. This is an intro to these gifts. We're not going super deep into each one, but it's kind of to, to get us thinking, maybe is this how God has empowered me? Or maybe as we're going through these, you might have someone pop in your mind being like, oh, that gift is totally that person. Because we reveal and we recognize these gifts in community. And so the strengthening gifts, these are gifts that are focused on helping a local church grow in their faith and grow in passion for God's mission. 
And the first one of these, we're going to go to Romans 12 quite a bit today. It's one of these listing passages where Paul lists out these gifts. He says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. If your gift is to, be in, is to encourage others, be encouraging. And so this is the first of these strengthening gifts is the gift of encouragement, which we define by saying that this is a gift of providing courage and if necessary, correction so that others can go deeper in their walk with God. And you might know, you know, if you, someone else has this gift of encouragement, if when you meet them, John Thompson, a, a pastor of C4 Church in Ajax, puts it this way, and I love his description. People with the gift of encouragement, when you meet with them, it feels like they give you a hug, and then they give you a slap in the face, and then they give you another hug. Because they encourage you, and they embolden you, and then they kind of, you know, share something they've been reading, like, well, what about this? And then, you know, I was reading this passage of scripture, and I think this applies to you in this moment. And sometimes those feel a bit like a slap in the face, this realization of like, oh, I've been getting this wrong, or oh, I have to make a different decision. Now, the gift of encouragement is never meant to beat someone down. You know, if someone is only slap, okay, that's not the gift of encouragement. Remember, it's hug, slap, then a hug. Because this is about emboldening people, about giving them the courage to step forward and to do this. And what's unique about the gift of encouragement is that usually this is a one-on-one conversation. This is not often a standing in front of a group. This is a one-on-one talking about a specific situation someone's in and helping them do what God is kind of trying to speak to them or say to them. This is oftentimes, you know, sometimes we confuse this with some of the later power gifts we're going to talk about next week where we think, oh, it's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. But this really comes down to often to scripture of, you know, if you're reading scripture, you maybe you're doing a daily devotional and you read a verse and you just instantly think, I need to tell this to that person. You might have the gift of encouragement and God is calling you to encourage that person with that passage of scripture. Now, like I said before, these, if even if this isn't your gift, this is something we are all called to do. And Paul, he wrote a lot of letters to the churches. And when he wrote to the Thessalonian church, he, in the ending of his letter, he says this, he says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Now, he didn't say, those of you with the gift of encouragement, build each other up. He says, all of you. He's speaking to a whole church. Whether or not this is our gift, we are all called to encourage one another. And so there's this question of saying, what are we doing to encourage one another? How do we live this out in our relationships when we connect with people? How are we being encouraging? And for the people with the gift of encouragement... This just comes naturally, and there's a joy that comes with it, and there's an excitement that comes with it that the rest of us don't get. But we need the people with the gift of encouragement because oftentimes they can cut to the core and strengthen other people to make choices, to strengthen other people to endure what they need to endure. And that's why we desperately need people with the gift of encouragement. And the second gift we're going to talk about, we're going to go to a different passage of Scripture for. In Ephesians 4, Paul gives another listing of gifts. And he says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. And and just keep in mind, none of these are exhaustive lists. We kind of have to compile them all together. And so Paul says this, These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Now, if you're following along in your Bible, you may have a different word where it says shepherds. You might have this word pastor. Now, I don't know exactly when the church decided that people who lead a church should be called pastor because the word that they actually developed it from is pasture. 
like to take a herd of sheep or cows and you take them to pasture so that they can graze. And so that's what my title actually means, is that I take people to where they need to graze to be fed. That's this, this term. But we get confused because Paul's actually talking about this in terms of a spiritual gift, not a role. And so sometimes we get these confused and we need to recognize. And so I'm going to talk about this as the gift of shepherding so that we can kind of separate it from the role of pastor. Because what the gift of shepherding is, is it's this ability to provide long-term spiritual care for a group of people so that they will continually grow in their walk with Christ. They'll continue to grow in their relationship and grow deeper. And the gift of shepherding is kind of like almost a jack-of-all-trades spiritual gift because often people with shepherding, you know, struggle to decide it because they think, well, I think I've got a little bit of mercy. I think I've got a little bit of guidance. I think I've got a little bit of leadership. It's like, oh, no, you put those together and that's the gift of shepherding, to be able to walk with people, to help them to grow, to share truth with them, to encourage them. Like it's this kind of combined group. But the key thing, in this is it's this long-term spiritual care for a group of people. Sometimes this involves, you know, one-on-one conversations, but oftentimes it's in a group setting of how, do, how are we encouraging each other together. Now, people with the gift of shepherding often do not have the role of pastor. In fact, I think most people that have the gift of shepherding actually never will step into vocational ministry because God has designed the gift of shepherding to be about community, to be about how we encourage, how we enable one another. And in fact, it's this deep way of how do we relate to one another. Now with the gift of shepherding and with all the spiritual gifts, our gifts come with a preset capacity. And one of the things we have to remember is that the capacity does not determine your worth. It does not determine how much God loves you because God loves all of us deeply. Some people with the gift of shepherding will be amazing at shepherding 10 people. Some people with the gift of shepherding will be amazing at leading 20 people. Some people who are like highly skilled and devoted in this that just dig in deep and grow may be able to shepherd about 120 people. And that's about where this gift maxes out. None of those are any different in God's eyes. No matter what your capacity for shepherding is, it does not mean you are lesser or more than anyone else with the gift of shepherding. And see, this, I want to take us to an example from the Old Testament. When Moses was leading the Israelites through the desert, he was the leader, and these people had come out of captivity, out of slavery, they're in the desert. They don't know how to be a community yet. They don't know how to be a people group. And so what happened was whenever there was an issue, the people would come to Moses, and Moses decided. Now, Small group? Okay, that works. But we're talking thousands of people. And Moses is spending all day, every day, sitting, listening to people's problems and saying, you're right, you're wrong, you know, you're both wrong. You know, he's just judging and deciding and making these decisions. He's acting as the judge for the nation. And what happens is his father-in-law Jethro comes along and visits Moses and this group of people that Moses is leading through the desert. And Jethro is appalled. He looks at this and he goes to Moses and he says, Moses, you are going to burn out. You cannot keep doing this. Instead, here's what you need to do. You need to find people that are qualified, people that love God, people that love God's word, and you need to set them up in groups of 10, groups of 50, groups of 100, and groups of 1,000. And what this means is when you set up, when he says the group of 50, that's five groups of 10. 
When he says the group of 100, that's two groups of five. When he says the group of 1,000, that's 10 groups of 100. So what Jethro does is he tells Moses, organize the people in this kind of big structure. And then whenever there's a problem, whenever there's a spiritual care issue, whenever there's the need for this shepherding role, it happens at the level where you are. And if it's too big to handle, then it goes up a level. And then it goes up the next level. And so what happens is each person is only ever leading 10 people. The person who is in charge of a thousand is leading the 10 leaders of the hundred. And this is the way that the Israelites get structured so that the gift of shepherding can happen. And so we might look at that passage first and say, well, Moses is being the shepherd for the thousands of people. But what really needed to happen was for the people who were shepherds in their community to step up and to take leadership of a group of people, to take that responsibility to lead a group of people. Now, the gift of shepherding. I don't think I've ever encountered someone who has a gift of shepherding that goes past 150 people. And what's interesting about this is if you look at the statistics of churches across Canada, 75% of Canadian churches are under 150 people. And that's not a problem at all. In fact, it says we just need to plant a whole lot more churches. We need a whole bunch of churches of 150 if we're going to reach Canada. But the reason why churches tend to stay below 150 is because we find someone with the gift of shepherding and we give them the role of pastor. And in fact, our education system, you know, that I go through, like you go through our universities, through seminaries, through training, is often highlights people with the gift of shepherding. But there's a problem in this. And this is just something for us to be aware of, is that sometimes people with the role of pastor do not have the gift of shepherding. And this can, you know, cause a community to to struggle with this if we don't recognize what our expectations are. And if you were here with us back in February, we did a series called What Happy People Know, or What Happy Couples Know with Andy Stanley. And it was way more than a marriage series. He talked a lot about expectations. What do we do with our expectations? Who do we hand them to? What's in our expectations? And if a church has an expectation that their pastor needs to have the gift of shepherding and needs to be the one central person that provides spiritual care to everyone in the group, you know, that's an expectation that needs to be communicated. But what if, what if that pastor doesn't have the gift of shepherding? What happens is that shepherd, that pastor has to work in an area of their learned skill and it prevents them from actually acting in their spiritual gift. And so I have a confession to make to you. I am your pastor, but I'm not your pastor in terms of gift of shepherding. I'm not a good shepherd. In fact, if you've been in a life group with me, I'm not a great life group leader. We have some incredible life group leaders in this church. And they're the ones, you know, over the last two years, Nikki and I have been in someone else's life group. And every single time we go there and we come back, I'm just like, I am so thankful that we have shepherds like the people who are leading our group who are encouraging and building into us. And so our church desperately needs anyone who says, I think I have the gift of shepherding. We need you to lean into that. Because when we lean into that, that is when we can care for others. That's when we can dive into this deeply. Because as a community grows, and as a community shapes and changes, now Moses, when he was trying to decide every single decision for the whole nation of Israel, he didn't know them. You know, they would come, they'd say their name, this is our problem, and he would have to make a decision based on the wisdom God had given him. But when they had their shepherding structure, when Moses got this all together, when the people were organized, now the shepherds know the people, and they know the depths, and they know the ins and outs. 
See, one of our, our challenges in churches, and this is sometimes a mindset that we need to challenge in ourselves, is we think that in a church we need to know everyone. But that's not true at all. Everyone needs to be known by someone. Everyone needs to be known by a group within a church. Even a church our size, it's not possible for everyone to know everyone well. So, how, so the question is this, who is shepherding you and who are you shepherding? Because even if this isn't our gift, sometimes this is a discipline, this is a capacity thing of how do we learn to care for the spiritual needs of others. And so that's the gift of shepherding in a nutshell. How do we care for, how do we meet the long-term spiritual needs of others? Now I've got to keep moving in this or I'm going to run out of time on, on us and we're going to have to do a part two later. But the next gift after shepherding is interesting because it's the gift of leadership. And Paul carries on, he says, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. This is a weighty gift sometimes. And so the gift of leadership we define by saying it's the gift that draws people together and leads them toward God's purpose and mission. So if we go back to Moses for a second, Moses was not really a shepherd. He was a leader. He had a purpose from God to take the people to the promised land and in the way develop them into a nation that would follow God. But Jethro shows up and he says, you know, you've got a problem here. See, Moses had leadership gifting. He didn't have shepherding gifting. And I think that Jethro had a guidance gifting because he came along, he saw what the problem was and how to fix it. Moses knew the destination. He knew where they needed to go, but he was stuck with trying to figure out the steps. And so he needed Jethro to come alongside with the gift, I think the gift of guidance. We don't know for sure, but it sure looks like it. And he helps Moses decide what needs to be done. Leaders are often the people who know the big picture, the vision. They get a sense from God of this is where this community needs to go. And it's the other spiritual gifts around the leader that actually set the plan and set the steps for the community to take to be focused on God's purpose and mission for that community. And so the gift of leadership often works very closely with other giftings and other kind of areas. And so we see this when we start recognizing when groups of people are flourishing because of the structure that's created. So the Israelites, when they had a structure, when they were organized well, they did better and they flourished and they became a nation and they started to learn how to follow God. And so they moved forward. And so that's kind of our three strengthening gifts, encouragement, shepherding, and leadership. And now we're going to move to the other three of the word gifts. And these other three, I've kind of categorized and called these our proclamation gifts. Because these three gifts are word gifts that are focused on revealing God through teaching scripture and sharing the message of Jesus. And so we're going to start, we're going to go back to Romans 12 again, and where Paul's listing these spiritual gifts. He says, if you are a teacher, teach well. And so the gift of teaching is the ability to reveal scripture to others for the purpose of training, equipping, and discipling. Teachers are people that have a way of making scripture and God's word kind of come alive and unpack and understand and dig into what does this mean for a community? What does this mean for us to know God more through reading his living word? And what's interesting about the gift of teaching is we often think, well, it's a gift of public speaking, but it's not. In fact, public speaking is not a spiritual gift. It's a learned skill. And it's a learned skill that people with the gift of teaching need to be able to learn how to develop. Because someone with the gift of teaching 
may not actually be able to teach something outside of Scripture. And in fact, we may have people who are career teachers in the room who are phenomenal in a classroom, who are phenomenal at helping people learn complex subjects and learn how to apply it to their lives. But that may be a learned skill. That might not actually be your spiritual gift. And that's okay. Because if we try to shoehorn someone who is an incredibly skilled career teacher into having the spiritual gift of teaching, we're actually preventing them from doing what their true spiritual gift is. And so this is one that that we have to not always make assumptions on just because someone maybe have a teacher as their vocation. But the gift of teaching is really lived out not in front of people. The gift of teaching is lived out through studying scripture and preparing the message that will be shared with others. In fact, the bulk of the time in the gift of teaching will be spent alone with God, alone with Scripture, digging into it and taking these insights and the, the, the wisdom that God gives and being able to package it in a way that helps people understand, to take complex things about who God is and make it simple and make it real and make it practical, practical for us to move forward. And what's interesting about the gift of teaching is it's one of the gifts that actually comes with a warning. And so James, the brother of Jesus, when he was writing his letter to the churches, he wrote this. He said, James 3.1, he said, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, when it says judged more strictly, it's not saying if you screw up, you're not going to heaven. It's not that kind of judgment. It's a judgment in sense of being known by God. What this means is that people with the gift of teaching are under kind of an extra examination of saying, are people with the gift of teaching teaching in ways that is true and helpful? Because it's possible, and it's even possible for me, and in fact, you know, I've deleted old sermons, like some of the early ones I wrote, where I'm like, yeah, you know what, I don't think I was right on that. Teachers will make mistakes, But when teachers make mistakes, you know, we live in a culture that is very quick to jump on social media. And in fact, many of us may have done this ourselves or we've seen it ourselves where a teacher that we've actually never met in person, we have no actual relationship with, and they say something we disagree with and instantly, you know, just read the comment section. And you, get, you, see, you see us at our worst when you read the comment section on any, you know, famous pastor or author and you read the comment se- section, it's awful. See, when a teacher makes a mistake, the rest of the spiritual gifts have to come into play. How do we handle that with grace? How do we handle that with mercy? How do we handle that with love and compassion? Because it will happen. Some point, I actually, I had a, a friend of mine had a professor in school who said, at the beginning of class, he said, you know, students, one-third of what I teach you is going to be wrong. Problem is, I don't know which one-third it is. And I think the one-third was probably an exaggeration. But what he was trying to get across to them is saying, you know, we have a finite capacity in our minds. We actually, we can't fully comprehend an infinite God. We know how God reveals himself. We know that how God reveals himself is sufficient. But we will always have gaps. And someday when we get to stand before God, we'll go, wow, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Because we were doing the best we could. We were listening to the Holy Spirit. So when we have people with the gifts of teaching, this is a gift that has to be nurtured and developed. Because if we, you know, if someone is developing this gift, it may not be a home run the first time. So how do we as a community nurture and develop that? All right, so the next of the proclamation gifts. We come to this one. And we say, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets. That one's going to wait till next week. The evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And so we're going to talk about the gift of evangelism here. Now, the gift of evangelism 
is a special ability to communicate God's good news, the good news of Jesus, in relevant ways to people who do not know Jesus yet. Now, one of the, there's, a, there's a big myth around the gift of evangelism, and this is a myth that we need to squash and kick out right away. Because sometimes people think that the gift of evangelism means that any person you meet with is going to instantly commit their lives to Christ. They're going to turn their lives around immediately in front of you. And they're going to respond and accept God's love for them. That is a myth. That is not true. In fact, the gift of evangelism is determined by continually sharing the message of Jesus. It's not determined by the response of the listener. People with the gift of evangelism are the people who are compelled to constantly share, to constantly want to, you know, bring up faith in relevant ways to a conversation. It's not like, you know, if you're talking with people and someone brings up faith and then everyone gets a phone call all of a sudden and they walk out of the room. That's not the gift of evangelism. The gift of evangelism is bringing it up in relevant ways in people's lives, in a way that helps them start to see and to recognize God's love for them. And what's interesting about this gift is Paul also talks about it earlier in his letter to the Corinthian church. And he says this, he says, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. People with the gift of evangelism are like people that are planting seeds constantly. And they may never get to be the person that actually knows or sees how someone started a, faith, uh, started a journey towards faith from that conversation, from that moment. You know, people with the gift of evangelism often never have a clue how many people they've impacted because they planted a seed and God is the one who makes that seed grow. Someone else came along and talked to them as well and that seed started to grow just a little bit and then a little bit more and a little bit more and you, will, you may never actually have a clue on this side of heaven of who you have shaped and who you've invited into a relationship with God. But there's another little mini myth on this one. Some of us, you may have heard this quote that gets claimed that it's St. Francis of Assisi said it, uh, saying, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. Problem is, is there's no, there's no evidence that he said that. There's no evidence that that was a quote he said. And in fact, sometimes we may think that evangelism is just living a good life in front of people. Problem is, is the gift of evangelism requires words. But your character, who you are, is what backs up your words. Who you are, how you live your life is what gives credibility when you have the opportunity to share your faith, to talk about faith with someone. Who we are matters deeply. And lastly, we sometimes think that, you know, if someone else has the gift of evangelism, that's their role. No, no, remember, all of these are spiritual disciplines. And in fact, every single spiritual gift supports the gift of evangelism because every single spiritual gift is about revealing God towards people who don't know him yet. No matter what your spiritual gift is, our spiritual gifts reveal who God is. And it's the people with the gift of evangelism. And oftentimes, you know, it's not someone with the gift of evangelism that will lead someone to Christ. But the gift of evangelism is supported by the other spiritual gifts. And then here's our last one for today. We'll go back to that list. He says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And so we're going to focus in on this word, apostles. Apostles. 
And apostles is a fascinating gift. And we actually have to define it into kind of two chunks because there is what I'm going to call capital A apostleship and lowercase a apostleship. And so in the first century, in the the 70 years or so after Jesus lived and died and rose again, we're talking in that era, it was capital A apostleship. In the first century, these capital A apostles were uniquely gifted by the Spirit to write our New Testament scriptures. These were people who had a deep walk with God and the Holy Spirit was guiding them as they wrote. And so when Paul wrote his letters, we don't know Well, there's parts where we think for sure, but we don't know for sure if Paul realized that as he was writing letters that we would see these as scripture nowadays. I think he did know. But someone like the Apostle Paul was given this unique gift of being led by the Holy Spirit that his writings would become our scriptures for today. But at the close of the New Testament era, that gift of being able to author scripture did come to a close. But the gift of apostleship didn't end. In fact, it changed. And so the gift of apostleship is a distinct leadership gift focused on creating new opportunities and new endeavors for the kingdom of God. And so apostles today are the people that are willing to say, that's an impossible task. I'm going to create something to reach that. We often see the gift of apostleship in our international workers that we send into countries that are hostile to faith. And we send them in and they go and they start breaking the ground and they start sharing with people. And so oftentimes the gift of apostleship and the gift of evangelism are closely linked in a person. And these are the people that bring and create fresh and new expressions of the kingdom of God wherever they go. And there's a second form of apostleship that we often see today. And these are people that have a a sort of a special authority granted to them by the Holy Spirit that transcends uh, a denominational uh, structure. And so these are people who often are able to create movements that link churches from all different backgrounds together. And so the gift of apostleship is often also a unity gift that draws people together in deep ways. And you may recognize this gift in someone where, you know, they, they may be completely unknown to you, but when you meet them, they seem to be able to capture people's attention and motivate us towards something new, something exciting, something big that's happening. These are the people that we often think are like somewhat crazy because they take on tasks and they take on goals and they take on dreams that God has given them and they do things that we all kind of stand back and go like, you did what? That happened? Like you went to this place where they were known for killing Christians and suddenly, you know, 10 years later, there's a church of 100 people and now they're sending people to other, na- like, er- like these are the people that we kind of scratch our heads and we go, you're crazy. And it's true because people with the gift of apostleship have this deep desire that the Holy Spirit has given them to do those types of things. And oftentimes we don't know what to do with apostles because they come up with ideas and we're just like, wait, what? But apostles need the other spiritual gifts too. The apostles are often the ones that will go and plant and start something new, but they may not be able to carry and keep that one going. They need people with the gifts of leadership and guidance to come alongside, gifts of shepherding to come alongside and kind of take what they've started and carry it to what God needs for it because we have to release the apostles to move on to the next thing. So these are our word gifts, these six gifts, and they all have a common focus that I hope you've seen as we've talked about this. They keep us focused on God, they keep us focused on the truth, and they keep us focused on the mission, on the mission that God has given us to reveal his love and who he is to the whole world, that our world would be transformed by God working in it. 
And so if you're here and if you're starting to recognize a spiritual gift, maybe it's one from this week, maybe it's one from, from last week when we talked about the love gifts, or maybe we haven't hit yours yet and it's coming next week. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to lean into your gift. Even if it's just an idea of uh, maybe I have that one. Or maybe you know someone, you're like, that person has this. Learn about it. Try to study what does it mean. Try to look for that. God loves it when we pray and ask him for confirmation. He will never chastise us for asking for confirmation. So pray, ask for confirmation. God, do I have this gift? God, would you show me opportunities to lean into this gift to see if this is what's the gift you've given me? Pray and look for opportunities because our gifts get developed through action, through actually serving and that we could read everything on being an evangelist. But if you don't actually share your faith, are you using your gift? So you have to pray, look for opportunities. And then it's this ongoing thing of how do we continually develop our gifts? Because sometimes we want to just rest back and say, okay, that's enough. I can just, I can rely on my gift and I can do this. But is there a step next that God wants you to develop your gift to? So these are our six word gifts we've talked about today, and and this has kind of just been an intro and a primer. There's the proclamation gifts of teaching, evangelism, and apostleship, and the strengthening gifts of encouragement, shepherding, and leadership. And so what I want to do is I'm I'm going to close with a time of prayer. I want to pray for you. And if you weren't here last week, I'm going to pray that if there's people here with the love gifts that maybe we don't know, that God would reveal those to you. And I'd encourage you to check out our podcast uh, on our website and catch that up. So let's take a moment, let's pray together. God, thank you for the spiritual gifts that you have provided to us. That to each community of faith, that you have given the gifts to equip the body of believers to do exactly what you have called us to do. And so Lord, I pray right now, specifically for the people with gifts of word. The word gifts of, uh, that you have called us to. Lord, I pray that we would be able to lean into these gifts. I pray that right now you would be tapping people on the shoulder and giving us a yearning in our hearts towards leaning in and discovering and unwrapping these gifts. And Lord, I pray for anyone who has that gift and they've set it on the counter and they've left it wrapped because maybe we're slightly scared of it. Maybe we don't know what it's going to lead to. And so Lord, I just pray that you would give us the encouragement to tear off that wrapping paper and to, to uncover the gift that you've given us. And so Lord, I pray for the people with the love gifts, the people with the word gifts here. Would you help us lean into these? Would you help us dive in deep so that we can experience the joy and fulfillment of living in our spiritual gifts? But it's not just about that, Lord. No, it's about this bigger picture, this desire you have to share your love with everyone, to reach people who do not know your love, to find people who have not encountered your grace and your mercy. And so Lord, would we be equipped to reach people? Would we be equipped to help people grow deeper? And would we be a community where we see these spiritual gifts being lived out in deep and powerful ways? In your name we pray, amen. So folks, next week we're going to wrap up this series and we're going to talk about the power gifts. And again, this next week is going to be a, pr- a kind of a primer to get us thinking in this area because the power gifts have the most gifts in that category. <laughs> And so I want to invite you this week, would you head to our website and go ahead to our In the Loop page, click on discussion questions, and would you spend some time wrestling through these questions? If you're in a life group, do them in a life group. If you're not in a life group, find some people to do this with or do it with your spouse or a friend to dig into these questions together to help us dive into our spiritual gifts. So folks, I hope you have an amazing week and we'll see you here next Sunday.
We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.